1: Welcome to In the Huddle, the exclusive weekly talk show dedicated to NCAA Division III football's Liberty League Conference. Tonight, your hosts Eric Ren and Frank Rossi will recap last week's Liberty League action and interview. Welcome to In the Huddle, the exclusive weekly talk show dedicated to NCAA Division III football's Liberty League Conference. Tonight, your hosts Eric Brent and Frank Rossi will recap last week's Liberty League action and interview the newsmakers around the league. They will also preview next week's action and take your calls and online questions. So sit back and put your game face on because you're In the Huddle. Now, live from Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, Your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi.
2: Oh, and it's Saturday in the postseason, our second season. Uh, Saturday, yesterday, today is Sunday. Get your day straight. (laughs) Eric Wren, Frank Rossi in the huddle one more time. We ended a regular season in a great Liberty League Campaign last last week, and now we're into the postseason. And Mr. Frank Rossi back from his Texas jaunt, covering Southern Division III football for all of us. He goes anywhere, he does anything. Frank, how you doing?
1: Actually, I'm still in Texas.
2: <laughs> well, you know, help me out, buddy. I'm your co-host. You, you, you can't call me out when I'm actually incorrect. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, come on, I, I, I can't lie, I figure. Oh, well, yeah, I'm in uh, Florida right now, it's beautiful and sunny, and it's probably raining there for all I know.
2: Well, you notice know, I didn't say where you were, I just said he had a Texas jaunt, that's semantics. Well, folks, you are in, I guess you would call this kind of bonus coverage for In the Huddle, it's postseason time. We had two Liberty League teams in action yesterday and some actually interesting games around the country. Frank, we could spend a couple minutes talking about that at some point in the show, but our focus is the Liberty League. And to that point, we had the 2-0 showing for our member teams of the Liberty League yesterday. In a round one NCAA, NCAA contest, Hobart hosted Lycoming and knocked them off. Uh, the final score, 33-15. And RPI, and one more chance at the regular or I should say the, the last game ever to be played at Six Field one more time around ended up ended up holding off a uh, tough Alfred Statesman Alfred Statesman Frank I'm like just all over the board tonight Hobart Statesman uh, Alfred Statesman E-C-A-C. and you know what it is it's it's no it's uh the Buffalo Bills absolutely throttling the Chiefs today still has me on edge so that's that's why I'm uh, you know a little tongue tied. <laughs>
1: You're getting excited about the Chiefs getting a defeat at the hands of your Bills. If that's going to get you doing cartwheels, then I'm really scared about this show today.
2: Well, it could be worse. You know, I'm licking my wounds from the Notre Dame loss, so it's kind of a weird, weird weekend for Go me. <laughs> that's right. But, hey, our two member teams won. Big wins for both Hobart and RPI. We're going to talk about that. we got some guests calling in today. As always, we're going to have our Hobart guru and analyst, James Baker, dialing in from California. We're going to have... Ted Baker, voice of the Hobart Statesman, joining us as well. And from RPI, we're going to hear from Ray Davis, sophomore sensation wide receiver who was the MVP of the ECAC contest, as well as one more time for our conference player of the year, Jimmy Robertson, RPI senior quarterback. So Frank, tell us though, real quick, that Texas experience, man. You know what, what, what was that all about? I, I believe you were commentating for D3Football.com.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, I was doing the Mary Harden Baylor. Uh, Harden-Simmons game. That's the number two versus number three teams in the uh, what you call the millsat South region, I guess. And uh, what essentially happened in that game was a great game. 38-35 was the final with a uh, field goal uh, at the last, uh, well, with five seconds left by Mary Harden-Baylor. They played early in the season, 20-18 to with Mary Harden-Baylor winning that game. So we got just much as we had bargained for that first go-around uh, pretty much in that game. And it was exciting. You know, it's good to taste D3 football in other necks of the woods. Not only then can you learn what you really have in the East region.
2: Yeah, in fact, it was kind of a – for the most part, I think most of the teams took care of business that we expected them to, as far as at least in the East region, except the big upset. You know, folks, if you hadn't heard, Curry uh, upset number two seed Ithaca and that rounded out a sweep by all the seven seeds against the number two seeds, Frank, in the, in the national tournament.
1: Well, actually, they didn't all play two seeds. And technically, uh, and fittingly, Wesley is going to play the number two seed next week, which they should have probably played this week. But because of the NCAA's miserly travel restrictions, let's call them, uh, not all the sevens played twos. But at the same time, they still beat a number four seed in Muhlenberg, who was undefeated until the final week of the regular season. So you got to give credit where credit's due in that situation. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I happened
2: to go follow my alma mater this weekend. I went out to RPI to see the ECAC game against Alfred. And there, I think actually, believe it or not, there were some really co- compelling ECAC matchups as well this weekend, Frank. Uh, St. John Fisher traveled up to Maine to visit Hudson, and Brockport played an absolute barn burner Against Harwick. I mean, could you believe that score when you saw that 70 68?
1: Well, apparently they had a uh, nearly three touchdown lead on Brockport in the fourth quarter, drove down, were playing basically, uh, let's say, pretty liberal offense still late in the game, up by three possessions or two and a half possessions, however you want to look at it. And then they get picked off, and Brockport goes down the field, picks off Boltis, goes down the field, and scores again and wins the game 70 to 68. Uh, you, you almost have to say that Hartwick's got nobody to blame but themselves. They're trying to uh, run up a score and an auto already offensive blitzkrieg going on in that game. You know what? You take that lead, you sit on it, you run out that clock, and you accept your rewards and awards uh, in that game. They did the wrong thing and they pay the price for it. Well, you know what's
2: the most in- amazing stat I saw in that game? One player. I don't have his name in front of me. I got kind of a few different windows open, but. One single player had something like 390 yards rushing, and I believe uh, that was either at, at the half. No, 290. Or, he had some ridiculous total, close to pr- approaching or exceeding 300 yards at the half, and ended up with like over 400 yards rushing. I mean, that's just—I've never heard of anything. I—I didn't—I I made a comment in the message board. I didn't think Adrian Peterson could come down and suit up and have that many yards against a D3 team.
1: I don't think he would. I think it's just one of those things, you know what, everybody wants to say teams mail it in in the UCAC. They shouldn't even play these games, yada, yada. You know what, looking at the scores yesterday, looking at how they were played, pretty much at least the three in the north region, these were some really good games, and they need to be played every year. And enough of this whole let down BS. Look, even a team like Curry, if they were in the ECACs, it would have been a great showdown against somebody in the Empire 8 or the Liberty League. So enough is enough with the complaining about this stuff. These games are good, and they should be played.
2: Well, I agree with you. I mean, RPI kept their ECAC dominance alive, 8-0 now in ECAC games. Obviously, they'd like to get to the NCAs, but a nice streak nonetheless. And Hobart, boy, for the fifth year in a row, gets to the first round of the NCAA tournament, making the Liberty League proud, and this, this year, like we said, Coming out ahead against uh, Lycoming, 33-15. to 15. We're going to talk about both of these games. We're going to have some guests on. Frank, I think it uh, probably is time to go around the region one more time. I, uh, I don't think it's, you know, I don't actually know. How long are we talking about for that tonight, Frank, for around the region?
1: Seven minutes, 45 seconds.
2: Seven minutes, 45 seconds. Sounds good. So what we're going to do is we're going to take you around the league. I'm, I'm sorry, I called it around the region. We're going to take you around the league. And then when we come back, we're going to be joined by Ted Baker, voice of Hobart Statesman, so folks, sit back and uh, enjoy Frank's
1: handiwork. For the first time in over 30 years, the Alfred Saxons would meet the RPI engineers, this time for the ECAC North Atlantic Championship and the final game on RPI's 86 field. RPI, looking to break his two-game losing streak, started well with quarterback Jimmy Robertson capping a game-opening 10-play drive with a one-yard touchdown run and a 7-0 lead. Alfred responded quickly by getting downfield, but their drive was stifled at the nine-yard line forcing the Saxons Eric Rockwood to kick a 26-yard field goal. Both teams struggled offensively for the remainder of the first quarter, but the engineers would resume their scoring in the second quarter after Robertson found Ray Davis for a 45-yard touchdown pass and a 14-3 lead. Things looked secure for the engineers, who had never given up a two-possession lead all season, but Alfred remained resolute, scoring on the next offensive play from scrimmage. The 64-yard pass play from quarterback Tom Secky to Jared Manzer cut the lead to 14-10. RPI's defense was determined to protect the lead, forcing an Alfred fumble on their next drive. Jerry Campbell found the ball at the Alfred three-yard line, allowing RPI running back Nick Costa to find the end zone for a two-yard touchdown run on fourth and goal for a 21-10 lead. With 3.10 left in the first half, Alfred looked to keep pace with the engineers. The Saxons put together a 10-play drive that lasted about two and a half minutes when Secchi found Trevor Fork for a 26-yard touchdown on third and 11 for a 21-16 score after Rockwood's point after attempt failed. With 44 seconds left in the half, RPI was fortunate enough to regain possession at their own 43-yard line after the kickoff. Two quick Robertson completions to Brian Carmody and Patrick McCarthy placed the ball at the Alfred 15 but the engineers were forced to kick on fourth down. Peter Nielsen's 32-yard field goal was good, making the halftime score 24-16 RPI. On Alfred's second drive of the second half, running back Vincent Hendricks got into the act with five carries, leading to his first touchdown after a one-yard run. The two-point conversion was good, tying the score at 24-piece. RPI drove quickly back downfield, but again, the team was stopped inside the 10-yard line. With fourth and goal from the five, RPI chose to kick the 22-yard field goal. Nielsen's kick was good, giving RPI the lead back at 27-24. In the final quarter, both teams had trouble finding a rhythm until Alfred's Trevor Fork rushed for 29 yards for the RPI 34. Three plays later from the RPI 20, this play gave the Saxons their first lead. Takes a snap, looks far side, throws over the middle, and it's caught by Fork! Touchdown, Alfred! They take their first lead of the game. Thanks to 91.5 WRPI choice Kurt Stutt on the call. RPI regained possession with 7.41 left in regulation. Would 86 Field and Jimmy Robertson be given the proper send-off? Robertson made sure the answer was yes, as he engineered a frantic 11-play drive that at one point saw RPI facing 4th and goal from the 26th after Acosta fumbled. After Alfred was called for pass interference, RPI had the ball 1st and 10 on the Alfred 12 when this happened. Robertson on first down, looks to throw, end zone, flag comes out, Davis has it in the end zone, but this may not count again, and touchdown. it's a touchdown, RPI!
3: Call is against Alfred,
1: pretty, yeah.
3: RPI takes the
1: lead 33-31. Duckey would be intercepted at midfield in the next drive by RPI's Justin Foglia, and RPI ran the remaining 2:42 off the clock to win the ECAC North Atlantic Championship 34-31. For RPI, Costas 114 yards rushing, Robertson's 257 yards passing and two touchdowns, and Joe Albano's 13 tackles helped lead the team for their victory. RPI finishes the season at 8-2, and Alfred finishes at 7-4. Could the Liberty League go 2-0 in the first weekend of playoffs? Hobart hopes so as the Statesman hosted the Lycoming College Warriors in a battle of number four and number five seeds. Lycoming looked to score quickly after receiving the opening kickoff as quarterback Colin Dwyer completed a 44-yard pass to Josh Kleinfelter to the Hobart 21 on the first play from scrimmage. However, Hobart's defense stood strong, and Lycoming failed to convert on 4th and 11, giving Hobart their first chance on offense. Hobart found similar success driving to the Lycoming 20 after a mix of runs and passes. However, on 4th and 10th from the 20, quarterback Rich Doyle missed to receiver Tyler Vincent turning the ball back over to Lycoming. Neither team could gain much ground on Snowy Boswell Field until the second quarter, when halfway through the quarter Doyle made a big mistake. Here's Ted Baker from the Hobart Statesman Radio Network with the call.
3: Play fakes, goes over the middle,
1: underthrown and intercepted again by the same guy, Reese. Up the near
3: sideline, 45 40. He's got a wall to the 30, to the 20. Reese to the 15, cuts inside
1: to the 10. Still on his feet inside the five yard line. Three plays later, Lycoming would draw first blood with Dwyer finding the end zone after a one yard run, making the score 7 0 Lycoming. Hobart responded well, piecing together an 11 play drive that saw two third down and one fourth down conversion. On fourth and six from the 25, Doyle missed Zach Schultz, but a costly personal foul penalty against Lycoming gave Hobart new life with first and goal from the 10. Doyle found Schultz this time for a 10-yard touchdown that tied the game at 7 apiece. Lycoming would not find further success in the first half, punting the ball back to Hobart, their own 35, with 59 seconds left in the half. Doyle eventually found Andy Shettin for a 34-yard completion, moving the ball to the Lycoming 20. And another personal foul against Lycoming gave the Statesman first and goal from the 10 with 31 seconds left, leading to this play.
3: First and goal at the 10, Doyle shotgun, he's got two backs in, receivers to each side. They might want to run out of this formation. Instead, they'll pump fake.
1: Here's the float, left side,
3: Vincent jump ball,
1: has it! Touchdown, Tyler Vinson! Hobart's 14-7 halftime lead was secured when Justin Hager intercepted Dwyer just before the break. Hobart looked to come out and add to their lead in the second half, and they were successful in doing so in a not-so-likely fashion on a snowy field. After driving to the Lycoming 10 and with 4th and 5 facing the team, the Statesman opted to kick. Connor Callahan's 27-yard field goal went through the uprights, giving Hobart a 17-7 lead. After Lycoming responded by going 3-and-out, Hobart took over at the Lycoming 49. Running back Andrew Marlier protected the ball and added some necessary first downs to the mix. However, Hobart faced a fourth and five from the Lycoming 16 and decided to go for it with this trick play.
3: Now motion Saravo to the left. He goes out of the backfield and Doyle will toss to Marlier. It's the reverse back to Vincent. Now the throw to Doyle. He's got it. First and goal at the three. There's your Kevin DeWall play. Vincent to Doyle.
1: Marlier found the end zone two plays later during the 10th play of the drive, making the score 23-7 after a missed extra point. Hobart's Lance Boynton shows strong defense throughout the day, and in the third quarter, Boynton collected a second interception, preventing Lycoming from scoring. Entering the fourth quarter, Hobart looked to protect its 16-point lead, and Callahan provided extra security with another 27-yard field goal, giving the Statesman a 19-point lead. Boynton wasn't done on defense, stifling Lycoming's attempt to come back halfway through the fourth quarter.
3: Shotgun Dwyer. Dwyer is 9 of 31 today with three picks against his tough Hobart pass D. Drops back to his goal line, steps up, deep over the middle, overthrown, interception, Boynton for the hat trick.
1: Each team would a touchdown with Hobart's Doyle rushing for a three-yard touchdown and Lycoming Square finding Brad Schellenberger for a 33-yard touchdown and a two-point conversion between the same tandem to make the final score 33-15 Hobart. Marlier finished the day with 96 yards rushing and 10 yards receiving while Doyle fought off his injury and the weather to finish 20 for 41 for 206 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. <coughs> the win makes Hobart the next team to face the vaunted attack of Mount Union in Alliance, Ohio next week. Hobart moves to 9-1 overall this season with the win. homing season is over, with the Warriors falling to 7-4.
4: And
2: superhero theme around the league, Eric friend Frank Rossi in the huddle. As always, great job by Frank Rossi putting that together. Thanks to our friends at WRPI, WUS, uh, Chris Stunt and Ted Baker. Folks, we're going to take a real quick break. We'll come back with our first guest, talk a little bit about Hobart. On the phone list. we're going to have Ted Baker. You just heard him there in his clips. One of the true pros in the business, one of the best in Division 3 We're thrilled to have him. We're thrilled he's part of the Liberty League. And James Baker, no relation, folks, believe it or not, our Hobo, Hobart guru analyst. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back.
5: Hi, I'm Brad Paisley. As an entertainer, I've always believed that music and good times go hand in hand. But if your good times involve alcohol, remember that the average person can only metabolize about one drink an hour. That's just 12 ounces of beer, 5 ounces of wine, or an ounce and a half of 80-proof liquor. And whatever the home remedies, only time will sober you up. Call a cab, designate a driver, get home alive. Call 1-800-GET-MAD or visit mad.org. That's one 800 get madd
6: so, EJ, we've designed you a signature
7: shoe worthy of a three-time All-American, with mad smarts and sick leadership skills.
6: Ta-da! There are over 380,000 NCAA student athletes. Yeah,
4: you got your GPA in box, right?
2: I love it. <laughs>
6: and just about all of them will be going pro in something other than sports.
2: Can I get it in a loafer for casual Fridays? Yes you are listening to in the huddle on blog the only source for weekly liberty league action and ncaa division three football's liberty league conference so once again back to studio one in saratoga springs new york your hosts eric wren and frank rossi all right postseason time back to studio one in saratoga springs Eric Wren and Frank Rossi on In the Huddle, postseason edition on Blacktalkradio.com. Just to remind you all, the Liberty League 2-0 this weekend in postseason play. The Hobart Statesmen upended Lycoming at home at home in Geneva, I should say, in Hobart, 33-15. And RPI took care of Alfred in the ECAC contest. And folks, we're pleased to have on the phone with us, we're going to talk a little bit of Hobart football. Mr. Ted Baker, voice of the Hobart Statesmen, and James Baker, no relation, are In the Huddle Hobart guru and analyst, guys, you with us? Yeah, yeah, we're here. Fantastic! Hey, great win! Congratulations, both of you guys. I know uh, Ted, you're traveling with the team every game the last, you know, however many years. So you've seen a lot of Hobart football, James. You played way back when, and you follow them avidly. And you're our guru now, uh, guys. I mean, hey, first of all, you know, from from all of us in the Liberty League, that's great. Great season going, you know, to the for so the fifth time in a row. Not only you know, winning the automatic qualifier, but following up with with a big win. Uh, Ted, tell us a little bit about the conditions there at uh, Boswell. I know earlier in the week, or well, I should say the week before against U of R, big quagmire, lots of questions about the condition of the field, how that was going to come into play. It looked like things really got chilly, froze up, probably hardened the field up a little bit. How much of a factor was the field this
1: week?
3: Well, you know, the grounds crew made what I thought was an interesting decision, and I think a good one, which is, with the exception of the end zones, and then every five yards where they made a line across the field, they left the snow on the field. And I think that made the footing better than if they tried to take it off because the ground really hadn't had a chance to really freeze, and I think if they tried to clear all the snow, you would have had a muddy mess. As it turned out, the footing really wasn't bad. There were only maybe a couple of times in the whole game that footing became an issue, so I thought that was an interesting decision, and all in all, probably the cold had more to do with it than anything. I mean, really, I don't think the weather conditions had that big an effect on the game.
1: And, uh, you know, Ted, we look at yesterday's game, and at first like Homing comes out and jumps to a lead, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, you have this offensive onslaught by Hobart, uh, the likes of which we haven't been seen since the Union game, where they lost at 38-35. I mean, where did that come from all of a sudden in terms of the offensive numbers? And do you really have to thank the defense for a lot of that yesterday?
3: Well, the defense has carried this team for most of the year. I mean, they lost some good offensive players last year. And then in the WPI game, on back to back plays, they lost Anthony they their starting tailback, and Daliba, their starting tight end. And I think the loss of Daliba really hurt this offense in the run game. They like to run. On his side, the right hand side, and over the last couple of weeks just hadn't been able to run the ball at all. And they started running it yesterday. Rich Doyle uh, was completing passes when he needed to. They were moving the chains on third down. And that was a good sign to see because uh, you can't just rely on your defense to do it every time. And to come out and get, I think they ended up with 24 or 25 first downs uh, on a cold, snowy day and, and spread the ball around. Other guys besides the top two receivers got involved. Uh, Hobart really has a lot of depth, and one of the things that Mike Craig has done during his time here is he plays those guys, and he goes deep. I mean, they uh, used eight different interior offensive linemen in the game. They used seven different defensive linemen. They keep a lot of fresh legs coming at you, and I think what happened in the second half is I think Hobart had fresher legs on the offensive line uh, and were able to push back that very good front four of Lycoming.
8: Ted, i got to believe,
2: you know, we talk about throughout the season – you know, we see all these different teams. You, you've seen them all. Frank's seen them all. I've seen some of them. Um, we talk about how important, as, as you get through a longer you know, season, toward the end of the season, into the postseason, how important depth is. Hobart, I, you know, I think this, this year, probably most of your success down there in Geneva has got to be attributed to the tremendous depth that you talk about. You know, Doyle went down against RPI. You know, backup comes in leads the team to victory. You lose your starting tailback. You know, you have a guy who comes in and carries the ball 24 times for 96 yards. you got a youth movement, wide receivers, you know, Zach Schultz catching seven passes for 76 yards. I mean, this is a team that I have to believe has probably in the last several years some of the best depth of any Hobart team we've seen in a while. Well,
3: I think they have the depth, and it's just that they make it a point to use it. I mean, you say you have some teams you say, well, the backup's real good. But you never really know because you don't see him on this team. You see these guys. I mean, last year when Rich Doyle was the backup quarterback, he got into six or seven games. This year, Doug Vella, the quarterback of the future, he's gotten into several games. Uh, Marlier was alternating carries with hobica tailback. So when hobica goes down, you don't feel like you have an untested guy coming in there. So they use these guys so that when they are needed, they've got some game experience. It's one thing to say, well, our number two guy is really good and just wait until you see him. With Hobart, you see these guys in key game situations all throughout the year. So when they're needed because of an injury, they're battle tested and ready to
2: go. How big? How how big was Lance Boynton Saturday? <laughs> I mean, three, three three picks. You know, one one shy of, of the Hobart record for the, for one season. You know, do you do you think that Coach Craig this week? must have done something different to, to try and get these guys to play more of a balanced game on both sides of the ball than they have in a long time. I mean, I look at some of these stats, the, the, the tailback for, for Lycoming, Josh Kleinfelter, you know, he's averaging over 100 yards a game. He, he comes in on 20 carries and 19 carries and only picks up 49 yards. You know, the, their quarterback is picked off four times. I mean, it just seems a solid, super solid effort on both sides of the ball.
3: Yeah, I think the game plan for Hobart was to try to take the run away and they were able to do that. Early in the game, Kleinfelter wasn't really able to get a whole lot going. He caught that screen pass on the very first snap over the middle and got 44 yards. But in the run game, he wasn't a big factor. And then they felt like they could pressure quarterback Colin Dwyer, who had thrown 16 interceptions. They felt like he was vulnerable to the pick. And it turns out he was. He was picked off four times, three of them by Boyington. Boyington's four, but don't mess with him. The guy is a weight room demon, and he's just about as stout as they come. And I think the, the big success of this Hobart defense this year has been those three coverage guys. They play a 4-4-3, but they trust those two cornerbacks and the safety, Boyington, so much in man-to-man coverage, it allows them to blitz those good linebackers so they get a lot of pass-rush pressure and know that that one-on-one coverage is going to be there.
2: Was the, was the Lycoming offensive line just not up to the task? I mean, Was, was the quarterback constantly you know, being, being pressured from what you could see? Well, what happens
3: is uh, Hobart, is, on a lot of downs, they'll blitz as many as three of those four linebackers. So you've got seven rushing, and it forces teams to change their scheme. What ended up happening with Lycoming is they started leaving two backs in the backfield. Now, is a good pass-receiving back, but for a lot of the game they couldn't send him out in the pattern because they needed him to stay in and pick up the blitz. So I think those blitzing linebackers disrupt other teams' schemes. And, again, a lot of teams you might be afraid to blitz that many people, because you don't trust your secondary in single coverage. But those coverage guys, Drake Woodard the first year has got seven picks. Boynton's now got eight. Chris Zemanski is a little less heralded on the other side, but he does a great job. And, again, depth. I mean, they've got uh, nickel guys that they're not afraid to bring in and passing downs. And that pass coverage allows Hobart to take a gamble on that blitz and get away with it.
1: And, folks, you're listening to In the Huddle, our second season, essentially, the postseason. Uh, Frank Rossi, Eric Grimm being joined by Ted and James Baker, but not any relation to each other. Uh, Kind of the uh, separate Bakers of Hobart right now joining us. And, uh, James, I think you're with us uh, there. Uh, You've been starting to look, I think, at the Mount Union numbers as we're going to uh, see a big game next week. Uh, number four, Hobart at number one, Mount Union, in the uh, Mount Union bracket. How do things measure up so far from what you've seen?
5: Well, I mean, we we, we definitely have a classic David versus Goliath. I mean, you can't um, do anything but just respect what Mount Union has accomplished in the last 15 seasons. Um, ironically, though they've never beaten Hobart, we we are two and zero against the, uh, the the Purple Raiders uh, with a couple wins back in the 70s. But um, you know it's going to take a, a pretty you know amazing effort on Hobart's part to to play with these guys. I mean the Mountain Union is just awesome statistically. 550 yards uh, total offense a game. They've scored 74 touchdowns and only allowed eight touchdowns all season. Um, you know, Nate Kamick is arguably having the best uh season or career you could say of, of, uh, of a running back at any any level. So I think um you know, Hobart is really gonna need uh you know, this, this defense that's carried them all season to really uh keep them in this game by, you know, making tackles. That's a that's a key point. They they really have to you know, when they get their hands on Kamick, uh who, who will probably, you know, touch the ball at least 20, if not more times. Uh, He's about 139 yards short of the uh, NCAA record um, for career rushing yards. They're going to have to tackle. Um, They're going to have to avoid turning the ball over because the last thing you want to do is give the uh, Mount Union offense a ball back. And, um, you know, they're going to have to do a a better job of of running the football at Mount Union, who has a a fairly uh, small – or smaller, you know, front uh, defensive front four than some of the teams that Hobart's gone up against. I've seen, you know, from some of the other uh, Mount Union fans that the defensive line averages about five eleven, maybe six feet and two hundred, you know, thirty to forty pounds, which is uh, definitely smaller than the Hobart offensive line. And given the rushing performance by Marlier last week, the fact that uh, freshman Kyle Tritton came on in relief and you know he he was having some success, you know, running. I think that. The new offensive personnel and package that's been in place the last three weeks after um, Daliba and Hobaika's uh, injuries is really starting to gel. Um, you know, the, the, the game that I look at as sort of a point of comparison you know, is, was the first game that Mountain Union played and, you know, against uh, St. John Fisher from the Empire 8. Uh, St. John Fisher only had 28 yards rushing. They were able to pass the ball, but they still threw three interceptions, and they ended up losing by about 30 points. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, if, if Hobart's going to have some success, they, they obviously you know can probably pass uh, pass the ball, but you know they're going to need to to run the ball, and I think more importantly, you know, get off to a a fast start in this one. One of the one of the interesting um, similarities between these teams, if you look at you know score by quarters. Both Hobart and Mount Union have only allowed uh, one touchdown in the first quarter in the entire season. Um, of course, Mount Union scored 156 points, where Hobart has only scored 41. But, um, you know, they, they both seem to, to do a good job uh, defensively to sort of start off the game, to, to keep, keep the games close. Really, it's going to be a, you know, a tough task for you know, the offense to, to try and control the clock you know, uh not turn the ball over and, and the defense is just gonna have to play a heck of a game against one of the greatest uh you know college football players in division three or otherwise at in Nate Kamik. Okay, now did you did you have that all written down or did, <laughs> written down? Well I'm supposed to be a guru because now. God I, I got Yeah, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be a guru now. It's, a, it's you know, it's all in my brain. No, I I i I, I'm, I, I do have a you know some notes that I jotted down.
2: Had you
1: prepare like that for a radio broadcast?
2: Actually, yeah, I, uh,
3: I I go through a lot of the same process. I I jumped on the internet after yesterday and I looked at the numbers and I said, what is this? Is this football or is this Madden Oh Nine? I mean, seven point nine yards a carry for Kamek and I think thirty one or thirty two touchdowns. And you look at the quarterback and he's completing seventy seven percent. And you just go, my God, what have we gotten ourselves into? Well.
2: 676 total yards offense against Randolph-Macon in a 56-0 defeat. I don't think, you know, no surprise there. Most folks were kind of expecting Mount Union to have, you know, games like that in their first couple rounds. Nate can make the, the running back you speak of from Mount Union, 20 carries, 290 yards, four touchdowns. But, guys, this team can be beat. I mean, I hate, everyone, yes, they're, they're the beast of Division III, but guess what? They lost in the championship last year to Wisconsin-Whitewater. They lost a few years ago to St. John's. Both times they were probably favored. Um, at least I know in one of those cases they were definitely favored. You know, the key is control the line of scrimmage, you know, shut down that running game, force them to try to throw the ball where you have some strength and coverage, and control the ball on your side. Keep the running game going. I mean, easier said than done, right? But hey, yeah. it, it, it's a situation where that's why you play four quarters. You know, you, you, you got to go out there and, and try to put something together. You know, Coach is going to hit. Is going to have his hands full, you know, but but he's a guy that's been around and, and knows how to scheme. Frank?
1: Yeah, actually, I was going to say, you know, let's look at the bad news, good news situation of this all. Hobart will probably lose this weekend, okay? I, I think we all think that it's an uphill battle, and I hope and pray that not only do they keep it respectable, obviously, but that they can find a way to win the game and continue our run here on In the Huddle past next weekend since uh, the, the whole contract that we have says we end – once the League exits the playoffs. So let's see what they can do. You know what? you got nothing to lose next weekend if you're whole Hobart. Nothing at all. So go out and play strong. And, Ted, here's the good news for you. The What's that? Mount Union press box, The Mount Union press box is second to none. So you're going to enjoy that experience, the food. the uh, They have video screens uh, for – like ESPN, uh, where you'll be set up and uh, doing your broadcast from, you're going to enjoy yourself up there. So at least enjoy the experience, and that's the biggest thing. Everybody involved needs to enjoy the experience. Win or lose, you're playing the best. This is what you wish for all the time in football. You might not measure up. It might happen that way. at St. John Fisher, but you know what? At least they play the game and play the best so they know really where they are on a national scale at the end of the day so hats off to Hobart so far that's all I got to say to them you you got a lot to go and uh, hold your head up high about this season
3: well that's right and I mean that's what we said at the end of our broadcast yesterday is you can't beat Mount Union unless you get a chance to play Mount Union so they've done that they're there Uh, as uh, my colleague said James uh, you know Kevin DeWall the offensive coordinator will have some tricks up his sleeve uh, Mike Craig and the defensive coordinator Scott Yoder are going to have a few uh, things of their own. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they uh, get a couple of turnovers, catch a couple of breaks, and at least keep it close or maybe pull off the shocker.
2: Folks, we're going to try to keep things on schedule tonight. We've got a couple you know, player interviews coming up. What we're going to do is, Ted, I know you always have a lot of things on your plate between you know your personal life as well as your professional duties. So we're going to let you go for the rest of this show, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again next week. I really hope so. Um, but we just want to thank you, as always, for your support, your clips, and the top-notch professional job you do broadcasting for the Statesman on your radio network and representing the Liberty League very, very professionally. So thanks a lot, Ted, for all your input tonight. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you next week.
3: Well, I appreciate that, and uh, I hope I have at least one or two good highlights to send you from next week's game.
2: Well, if nothing else, good. Ted, we're gonna we're gonna definitely have you know have you next year. All right. So, folks, this is Eric Rennan and Frank for Frank Rossi, we're in the huddle on blogtalkradio.com. James Baker, our Hobart analyst, is on the line with us. You've just heard from Ted Baker, voice of the Hobart statesman. We're going to take a quick break and come back with the most outstanding player in the ECAC win, RPI's win over Alfred, sophomore sensation Ray Davis. So, folks, stick around. We'll be right back. Good news. Fewer adults are smoking cigarettes than ever before. No matter how long you've been smoking or how old you are, it's never too late to quit. Almost immediately, you'll breathe better and your circulation will improve. You'll also be able to recover from illness and injury faster. Each day, your tobacco-free reduces your risk for conditions such as heart disease and stroke. For more information on quitting, talk to your health professional or call the National Quit Line at 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Take the first step to a healthier life. You gotta be a bit crazy, a little bit out your mind. If you've been drinking then you go out and drive. You're risking countless lives and your own too. Plus you risk hurting everyone that knows you. Yeah, they'll be so blue standing at your burial thinking that you were a fool while at your memorial. The point is you shouldn't risk those lives. If you drink, don't drive. If you drink, don't drive. Send a few bucks on a cab or sleep while you've been drinking. If you drink, don't drive. Stay alive start thinking. Stay sober. Arrive alive. If you drink, don't drive. If you drink, don't drive. Mad Dog you're back with In the Huddle on BlogTalkRadio.com, the only talk show devoted to NCAA Division three College Football's Liberty League Conference. Once again from Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts
5: Eric Rennes and
2: Frank Rossi. All right, you're back in the huddle. For Frank Rossi, I'm Eric Wren on BlockTalkRadio.com. Joined with us, as always, our Hobart guru, James Baker, joining us on postseason edition of In the Huddle. Once again, to remind you all, we had two Liberty League teams win yesterday. Hobart won the first round. The NCA's defeating Lycoming 33-15 in Geneva. Great win there for the Statesmen. And RPI won its eighth consecutive ECAC playoff game with a victory over the Alfred Saxons. So our first guest tonight from that RPI team, sophomore wide receiver Ray Davis voted most outstanding player. Nine catches, 197 yards, two touchdowns. Most important catch of the day, though, that go-ahead touchdown with 4.07 left, giving RPI the lead that they would not relinquish. Ray Davis from Worcester, Mass., you are in the huddle. Thanks for joining us.
9: Oh, it's no problem. Thanks for having me.
2: So, uh, first of all, congratulations. Uh, You know, most outstanding player in the ECAC championship Championship game against Alfred yesterday, fantastic performance. You know, you guys played a tough, tough team. Ray, was it a little bit of a, you know, tough to get up this week when you know for an ECAC game when you were probably had your sights set on for a long time at NCAA birth?
9: It was a long week. A lot of kids were disappointed after the loss to Hobart and then to Kings Point. So it was just a long week of practice. All the seniors were down. Just had to get it up and come out for another game, win the last game on 86 field.
2: Which you did. You know, a- after the Hobart game, which you know, it looked like you might not have another shot for redemption there in 86, you guys came back and, and, and beat Alfred. How, how did Alfred, as an E-18 that you guys have, haven't seen, RPI hasn't played them since the early 70s, how did they compare talent-wise, skill-wise, to some of the other teams you guys have seen this year in the conference schedule as well as your out-conference of
9: schedule? Well, talent-wise, they were really good. They had really physical D-backs. It was a tough game, especially on that hard turf. Uh, any given Saturday, any team can win. So we did our best, and that's what we came out with.
1: won. It's uh, Frank Rossi over here on uh, the uh, south side of, of things, and uh, I've got a, a question about ECAC games in general. You know, a lot of people talk about, and we started the show discussing, a lot of people talk about the ECACs kind of a letdown scenario. Hey, you know, why do we even play them, et cetera. You're going to mail it in if you're playing and you thought you were going to get into the NCAAs. Was there any discussion like that? Was there any, like, you brought up the fact that it was a tough week and there were high expectations with the players themselves, but – at what point did everybody say to themselves, well, guess what, we got to suck it up and play our hearts out on that field this Saturday. Take us through the week a little bit, if you can, in terms of that emotion.
9: Well, we came out the first pass of the week kicking. Everyone was everyone was doing their job. Everyone was excited. One, more, one last game, a chance to prove that we were actually a good team and go out on the A-6 field.
1: And, I mean, from start to finish, there was no kind of, yeah, we really don't want to be here type of scenario going through the team. Everybody was pretty hepped up from start to finish.
9: Well, Sunday after the game, everyone was down. Saturday, when we went to left in meetings, it was a tough day. But then once we got on the field again, everyone was ready to go. Gotcha. Uh, Fair enough.
1: And uh, we appreciate that effort that you guys did put forth in that game as fans, no doubt about it. I know Eric's got some more questions.
2: Well, Ray, how, how was, uh, you know, you come out there and you get on the field there, Alfred? You haven't seen them in a lot. You know, you had no RP, I've never seen them, you know, since the early 70s. You guys have watched them film. You heard about them. They have a great, potent offense, physical D backs. You guys were operating without two of your top four wide receivers. You know, it's, it's you now and Patrick McCarthy left, both sophomores. How hard was it the last couple weeks having lost? two of your four big guns at the wide receiver position. You lost Aaron Savassi, you lost Mike Phil. Did you feel any extra pressure to step up and elevate your game? Because you've had some phenomenal success the last couple of weeks.
9: Of course I did. Aaron's like my big brother on the football team. I've been behind him for last year and this year he taught me all the plays. We always went over the playbook. So I had to step it up and do this game for him because he couldn't be there.
1: And did he uh, tell you that you are going to be talking to two old guys on In the Huddle tonight when you told them you were going to be on the show? Uh yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it all. Well, uh, you were In the Huddle with Frank Rossi. Uh, I'm old, but Eric Grant, he's older. And uh sophomore, right, Ray, uh, Ray Davis, uh, who is uh, pretty young uh, in the system. But you're going to be losing – your senior quarterback, obviously, to graduation, Jimmy Robertson, and let's talk about that for a second. I mean, what does that mean to you personally? You talk about Aaron, but what about Jimmy?
9: It's going to be tough because he's been a great leader the whole time I was on the team, always helping out the younger kids, doing the best he can. But we have three great freshmen coming up. If they get in the weight room and learn the plays and do their best, we should have a good season next year since our offense is pretty young.
1: We'll make sure they get in the weight room then. Uh, definitely. I mean, I'm a union guy, but so I, I actually maybe I'll be dangling some uh, late night diner food or something in front of their windows. But uh, make sure they do hit the weight room and uh, build themselves up because they got some big shoes to fill over there. Hey Ray, talk to us real quick, and I won't keep
2: you too long because we got Jimmy Robinson joining us as well. But talk to us about the end of that Alfred game. It was kind of a back and forth contest. RPI had a couple of inter- some interceptions. Alfred had some interceptions, and you know this game was going down to the wire toward the end there big pass interference play in the back of the end zone kept that drive alive. Take us through the what was going on in the huddle in your huddle, not our huddle, but in your huddle that last drive where you scored that go ahead touchdown with, you know, just a few
9: minutes left in the game. What what was the tone of the team at that point? Well, after our, we got one touchdown called back on a holding penalty before that. So that was big down there and then we were just working trying to get that last touchdown, our last chance. And that pass interference saved us. Everyone was ready. We had four plays to put in the end zone, and we did what we had to do. Was the defense fired
2: up on the sidelines? You know, you guys had 100% confidence that, you know, they were going to hold that lead. We saw you guys take a lead against Hobart late in the game a couple weeks ago, and then they ended up marching down the
9: field and scoring. So what was the mood on the sidelines with a couple minutes left and a tight lead? We always have faith in our defense, especially since last year I was on scout offense and played them every practice. And I was afraid to get hit by him, so I can only t- I can only imagine what they do to the other team. Ray Davis, so what do you
1: off- do? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Eric. I was just going to ask him one quick question, which is, what do you do now in the off season uh, to keep yourself ready for next season?
9: Well, last year I played baseball. But this year I'm just going to hit the weights. I gained 15 pounds last summer. I'm seeing what I can do this off season.
1: Yeah, you're a good size
2: receiver in that offense. You know, there's there's. Always nice to have you know tall physical wide receivers. You definitely fit that mold. Ray, we're joined here, folks. Ray Davis, sophomore wide receiver from Worcester, Mass. He's in the huddle. Most outstanding player in the ECAC game against Alfred the other day. Nine catches, 197 yards, two touchdowns. Great performance. One last question for you, Ray. I'll we'll let you give your shout out. Uh, you're you're
9: from Worcester, Mass. What other schools did you look at? What attracted the RPI? Um, I looked at. My two, my three last schools were RPI, WPI, and Northeastern. And I figured with W P I and RPI, I had a good chance of playing early as like sophomore as I am now. And at Northeastern, it just would have been tough to compete and be an engineer at the same time. And I wanted to get out of home, so I came out here to New York. To <laughs> we, we, we all did.
2: Well, not you know. Not only did you play early, but you had an outstanding, outstanding uh, game in, in your start there Saturday. Two touchdowns, most outstanding player. So. Even though it's not the NCA's, hey, I'm sure you're very proud of your achievements there. Sending off 86 field in a fitting manner. You know, you're going to take that with you the rest of your life. So, Ray,
9: is there anyone else you want to say hello or shout out to out there in our audience before we let you go? I like to shout out to my parents, my friend Brandon, and my niece and nephew and sister who came out to support me all the way from Worcester at the game. All the seniors on the team. I'm happy we could send them out with a win. The coaching staff, the whole team. That's it.
2: There you go, Ray Davis, sophomore wide receiver, RPI. Thanks a lot, Frank. I think we're going to be hearing a lot from and calling Ray's number in the next couple of years. You know, a very talented young man here that RPI has at the wide receiver position. No doubt about it. Hey, we're coming up next with our next guest. Thanks a lot, Ray. Have a good rest of your semester. Happy holidays, and good luck in your off season and next year.
9: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
2: Take care. All and right. we're going to move on to our next guest just to keep things moving and keep us on time, and then we'll take it back to our – Next week, postseason analysis, Hobart versus Mountain Union. Hey, Frank, it wouldn't be a fitting conclusion as far as to the the RPI component of our show, you know, the ECAC component. If we didn't have on the Liberty League Player of the Year, Jimmy Robertson is our last player guest for the season. What do you think of that, Frank?
1: You know, uh, I'm a little uh, concerned here at this point in the show because, Jimmy's father, who we had out in the parking lot during our uh, tailgate special in the Dutchman Shoes game, he, he said he didn't think I was going to actually ask questions uh, to him. I'm wondering if he didn't pass that thought to Jimmy, so I might have to shut up this entire interview and not get to ask him any questions.
2: Well, we can see what he says. Jimmy, you're with us, aren't you there, bud? Hello, Jimmy, we got you. Yeah, what's up? How are you doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure you were just faced out in, in a textbook that's that's why you didn't hear me
8: for a second, right? Yeah, yeah. Tons of work over here. You know, we can't even think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jimmy. You know, so Jimmy is, this is, this hey, is Eric,
7: becoming that's your kind excuse, of right? Excuse me.
1: I said that's your excuse, Eric. Right? That your uh, face are always in a book and you can't even think. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh,
2: you know, Jimmy, this is becoming kind of habit for us here. You know, you were one of our first guests. You're going to be one of our last this season, um, as far as players go. You know, we might see some more folks next week. depends on how Hobart does. But, hey, you know, regardless of how you guys finish the season, garnishing an individual achievement like Liberty League Player of the Year, congratulations, man. That's a great feat, something to be proud of. You had an outstanding career, and, you, and you're finishing it up the right way against Alfred in an ECAC contest. You know, now that you've had 24 hours, Jimmy, to kind of let it sink in, how, how does it all feel? You know, if you look back at the the highs and the lows and, and, you know, what are you thinking right
8: now? I mean, you know, it it feels great to go out with a win, you know, yesterday. I mean, after losing to Hobart and, you know, Kings Point back-to-back, I mean, it was pretty down. The whole team was pretty down. But then, you know, that Monday, last Monday we found out we had an ECAC game. Uh, I know myself, along with the rest of the seniors, I mean, we were just excited you know, because we're never going to be able to put on that RPI football helmet again. So we were just excited. We you know, we took it as you know a second second chance, another opportunity just to go out, you know, and play, you know, with our family because we're all family on this team and, you know, play one more time on 86 field. So, you know, it feels good. I mean, it really hasn't sunk in yet. I know with me, some of the other guys, you know, I'm sitting here with Aaron, the two of us, you know, it really hasn't sunk in that, you know, that our careers here at RPI are over. You know, it probably will take a little bit longer to sink in. Yeah, so you know, we'll
1: next
2: I'm 30. Maybe. Aaron thinks I'm really old. And some yeah. days still Some days it still hasn't sunk in yet, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's something you to take with you forever. But hey, you mentioned before we talk about the Alfred game for a second. You mentioned you know the last couple weeks, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, you know, a how disappointed were you in the last couple games? And then you know, once you answer that, tell me from that. What did you do, personally and as a captain and a leader of that team, to try and keep things on track and pick these guys' spirits back up?
8: Yeah, I mean, losing those two games back to back, I mean, it was we were extremely disappointed. Um, you know, we felt you know we could compete for the Liberty League title this year. You know, that was our goal, was to make it back to the MCA. So, I mean, personally as a team, we were you know definitely disappointed. You know, we felt like. You know, myself and some of the other guys, we felt like we let the team down um, in some of those games, you know, crucial situations. We just – we didn't step up when we needed to, you know, myself included. You know, some versus Hobart and Kings Point, you know, a couple turnovers here and there. Uh, we didn't get the bounces we needed. But, you know, after those two games, we we found out we had another opportunity. You know, we asked the underclassmen, you know, to play this game for us. And, you know, they really stepped up to the plate, Um You know, they were the leaders of, you know, next year they stepped up and they fought for us. You know, they played that game for us as seniors. So it was special, you know, to have them there with us fighting, you know, every day in practice. You know, even though we knew, you know, it was one and done, win or lose, this was the last one. You know, we all fought together and, you know, made the most of it. I asked
2: Ray this question. I'll ask you. What was your impression of Alfred? They're a team that plays in the Empire 8, as we all know. They play, you know, pretty pretty good schedule on a regular basis to play the Ithaca's of the world, the St. John Fishers, the Hartwick's, so definitely good competition in that league, and they've had some good wins against those teams in the last couple years. What was your impression of Alpha when they came into 86 field and put on the show that they did, and and your counterpart there at quarterback for them, that true freshman?
8: Yeah, I mean, I was real impressed with them. Watching them on film, um, they had a couple first-team all-leaguers on defense in the E8, You know, that's one of the best best uh, conferences in the nation, you know, they went up against a lot of good offenses, you know, in the Ithacas and the Hartwicks. So, you know, we knew that they've seen offenses, you know, just as good or better than us. So we knew we had to bring our A game, you know, to compete with them. You know, we knew that we couldn't be down after the losses that we had just got versus Hobart and Kings Point because if we were down, we would come out and lose, you know, 50 to nothing versus a team like Alfred. So, I mean, we definitely knew we had to step up versus them. And, you know, we were able to come in with the win. And, I mean, their quarterback, I mean, he's good. I mean, he's six four, two ten, two twenty, 210, 220, something like that. And he just he just has a hose. Uh, he made some great throws, you know, our DBs, our defense was in the position. But he just put some, was throwing some, some seeds out there. So, I mean, I feel bad for the rest of the E8 because that kid is going to, you know, tear that league apart for the next three years.
1: And, folks, you're in the huddle with Frank Rossi, Eric Wren, being joined by the one and only Liberty League Player of the Year offensively, Jimmy Robertson. I think James Baker is still with us. Uh, We'll be talking more about Mount Union, Hobart next week, uh, round two uh, playoff game. But first we want to discuss the RPI season. And, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, you said Aaron's uh, right by you, right? Yeah, Yeah, Aaron's here with me right now. Okay, well, if you got a speakerphone feature, save that for in a couple minutes. We're gonna I'm gonna ask you to do something, but for now, let's just. Uh, he doesn't let this stuff go, boy. Frank, man, you're on a mission. No, it's, no, it's not about the old thing. It's actually a legitimate question for Aaron. I was gonna ask Jimmy about, but since he's right there, why why go third person on uh, the whole situation uh, like a Liberty League uh, message board or something? Well anyways, uh, here's my question for you. You know what? First guest of the season on our show. You were, and I asked you a question back then, and uh, I didn't necessarily see that we would get a chance to re-ask it. But you kind of answered already. The question was essentially, uh, you know, have you really thought about the fact that it would be your last season, and you know, what's your feeling about it? And your answer, paraphrasing, was essentially, I really haven't thought about it, Frank. And it, I'm going to rephrase in a different way to you now, which is, what are you going to do related to football going forward? Are you all uh, oh, my questions? But sorry, hey, it's. Damn. You, asked, you asked 14 in a row. I had at least get one here. All right. <laughs> uh, but are, are you looking into the coaching direction? Are you, Do you want to be in that direction? What's your thoughts going forward with the sport of football?
8: Uh, definitely. I definitely want to stay involved with football one way or another. Um, coaching is definitely, you know, a real option that I'm considering right now. Um, I don't know playing? where or how I'll get involved with it. Um, so I really haven't even thought about what I'm going to do um, after this year. You know, I was just really trying to concentrate on the season, not really look at anything else. But I definitely do want to get involved, and, in, you know, coaching probably is what I do want to do, maybe for a living, but definitely want to stay involved with football.
2: What about playing? So playing just, something. There's, leagues
8: in, there's leagues in Europe. There's, there's
2: different arena leagues. Is that still an option?
8: Yeah, I mean, if I'm definitely going to, you know, take a look into that. If I could play, you know, for one, two, three 10 years more, I would definitely do it in a heartbeat. I mean, like you said, there's leagues overseas or, you know, maybe Arena 2 uh, where our quarterback, Coach Dan Cole, he played the past couple of years for the Albany team. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something I'll look into, talk to him about, talk to the coaches. And, hey, if something popped up, I would jump on it jump on it in a second.
1: Well, I'm happy to put you in touch. Actually, I did a game yesterday, the Mary Hart and Baylor game. I wanted to be up there watch you guys play. I honestly, and Eric knows that, but – I was asked to do uh, the Mary Harden-Baylor game against Harden-Simmons. I did the game with Brett Page, who was a prolific linebacker for Mary Harden-Baylor back in, earlier in this uh, decade. And he has a big old stag bowl ring on his uh, finger because uh, he was uh, the runner-up in that game against Linfield back then. But uh, he moved on to high school coaching, and i got to tell you, uh, he's a good uh, resource to talk to, somebody who had a great career like you have. I had, and just somebody that wants to keep it alive and is into high school coaching right now. So at that point, when you're ready, let me know, because I think you're a great asset to the sport. Just every receiver we've had on and every player we've had on has discussed about you, Jimmy Robertson, that you teach everybody. And, yeah, quarterbacks are leaders. We always say that. It's so cliche, but it seems like you are the epitome of that. So it just makes a whole lot of sense. I think Eric would
8: agree with me on that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I felt like, you know, that was my job on the team was, you know, I pretty much, you know, playing four years, being a starter four years. I know the playbook, you know, in and out, you know, in my sleep. I, you know, know what everyone's going to be doing. So I just tried to help out the younger QBs. We have, you know, four other freshmen under me. So one of them is going to have to lead this team now. So I was just trying to, you know, let them pick my brain all year and, you know, just try to teach them as much as I could.
2: Let's talk about that for a second. And just real quick, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi in the huddle, huddleblogtalkradio.com. We're in our second season here, our postseason in the huddle coverage. We're joined by Liberty League Conference Player of the Year, Jimmy Robertson, who led RPI to a victory over the Alfred Saxons yesterday on the last game everybody played in 86 Field. Jimmy, talk about two things. Um, you know, and again, we really appreciate you, you spending time with us. We know you're a supporter of the show, and we're a big supporter of yours. Uh, when you lost, both Mike Phil and Aaron Savasi toward the end of the season, how does that affect the quarterback running an offense like yours? Spread offense, multiple weapons. You, know, you're, you, like, you like to spread the ball around. You do a great job of finding your open receivers. What, what if any,
8: extra pressure did that put on you? Yeah, I mean, it definitely you know, put a little bit of pressure losing you know, two of our best players, not only on offense, but you know, on the team, two of the better receivers in the whole league you know, definitely hurt. So, you know, I knew, I felt like I did have to step my game up a little bit. You know, but then again, we had guys like, like Ray Davis and then, um, you know, Pat McCarthy stepped up even more than he had all year. Um, guys like that really stepped up and, you know, made it made it easy on me. I mean, Ray the past, you know, three games with Aaron out, he was able to go 100 yards in, you know, each of the three games. So, you know, having guys like that stepping up really, you know, helped me out.
2: So the second part of my question is, is – uh... When you uh, talk about the future of RPI football, you were a four-year starter. You know, the guy, you, your, your mentor on the you know, quarterback coach now, Dan Cole, was, was a three-year starter, uh, another Hall of Famer, because I'm going to go out in the limb and say you're a future Hall of Famer. But uh, Matt Robbins led RPI to its first postseason berth in 1999. He was a four-year starter. RPI kind of has gone the route of finding a great young quarterback, Riding that out for several years, then rolling the dice with someone young and hoping it works out. Not they ha- you haven't had the luxury of you know having a guy in there for two years each time. Upperclassmen. What's in the pipeline now? Talk a little bit about about what we can expect to see in, in the quarterback position at RPI the next next year.
8: Yeah, uh, I mean we have you know four real good freshmen you know under me now, um, Tim Moran, Josh Keller, Julian Strapp, and Chris Henry. Uh, the four of them, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be a competition. It's going to be a great competition. Um, you know, they all are really good quarterbacks. So I have different, you know, bring different things to the table. So, you know, it, it starts now. I told them yesterday, I talked to a couple of them after the game. I told them, you know, it's, it's their team now. You know, it's up to one of them, you know, to step up to the plate, be the leader in the offseason in the weight room, be the leader, you know, in spring practices. So one of them can step up and the team can rally behind one of them because someone has to step up, you know, the team to be successful next year, and I definitely think one of them will be able to do that. So, Jay, okay, uh,
1: oh, go ahead, Frank. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say we're at that point where I think we need to drag Tavasi into
8: this mix for a second at, at least. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll, I'll put this on speakerphone so he can he can get in this action here. He's over here okay, smiling. Let's, let's, oh, boy. <laughs> here,
9: here,
2: Yo,
1: Tavasi, what's up? How's it going, guys?
8: That,
2: that's yeah, Frank's I, professional I, I, radio uh salutation right there
1: (laughs) my 20 year old salutation what are you talking about (laughs) well listen uh first things first the question i was going to ask jimmy but let's talk about your injury people have been wondering what your status was how you're doing and everything so how you doing um i'm doing
7: better y'all you know the diagnosis i broke my collarbone in the hobart game uh i mean it was probably one of the most uncomfortable experiences of my life these past two weeks, but it's been getting a lot better. I'm able to sleep a little better at night now, so it's getting better. You know, hopefully in a few more weeks I'll be full strength and, uh,
1: you know, get my arm back in use. And, I mean, how did it happen, really? I, a lot of people didn't see, it, didn't see the play that might be listening to this. What happened? Uh, what led to the uh, break? And it, it happened in the first half, right, the Hobart game, if I'm correct? It happened with a few minutes left in the first half. Uh,
7: I was diving, I went diving for a ball in the end zone and uh, landed on my left shoulder, and the defender landed on top of me, so I think with just the extra weight on my uh, shoulder, just cracked my collarbone.
1: First injury for you in college,
7: or in your career, rather, in football? Yeah, first serious injury. You know, I've had a few sprained ankles, sprained fingers, and here and there, but, uh, you know, tendonitis in my knees, but... This is the first real one that I actually had to miss a game. Those are the first games of my career that you know I missed in my four years.
2: So now, do you guys, uh, being good Liberty League folks, do you pull for Hobart now against Mount Union?
7: Um, yeah. Or is that hard you know, for you personally, as, as
2: someone who competed against them?
7: As hard as it is for me to say it, um, you know, knowing that you know they beat us this year, and, uh, you know, I really wish that I could have that game back and, you know, not get injured and, you know, play out that second half and, hope you know, wish that the outcome was a little different. Um, I'm still rooting for the Liberty League and hope that, you know, they go out there and tell you know, Mount Union that, you know, the Liberty League is a good league to play in and that, you know, we deserve a little more respect than people give us.
2: So real okay, quick, so guys, we're... as we wrap this up, we've, we've got to move on to our, our last segment, which is next week's analysis. Frank, I know you have a question left for these folks, so why don't you ask yours and uh yeah. then I'll 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 wrap up with, with these two guys.
1: Well I I think it's the most important question I've asked in these shows what uh season long history and here we go. Uh Jimmy, you're from Yonkers, right?
4: Yes.
1: And Aaron, you're from Brooklyn, right? Yes, that's correct. And so during the holiday season, I'm going to be back in New York City uh, after my uh, finals, At- actually after the Stag Bowl, uh, after Christmas, I'll be there for about a week, uh, while you guys are still on break, I think. So you know, Aaron, I've been thinking about it. I think I need some game uh, in terms of your way. I-, I am a little too old in terms of you know going out to the bars, meeting the girls,. All that like that. So I was hoping maybe we could get Eric to come down, and Jimmy and Aaron, you can meet us out in Manhattan somewhere and teach us old guys how to get our game back a little bit. Is that possible?
7: We definitely help you guys out there. You know, uh, I know know, know a few spots in in the city that I lived there my whole life. But, but, but see, now,
2: Jimmy, as a quarterback, though, can you help linemen, gloss causes like me? I mean, I know you – one of the good things about you is you recognize when some things just can't be fixed. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be able to help you out, Eric. Don't worry. We got your back. (laughs)
6: <laughs> well,
2: for your guys' benefit, you won't see any um, tripping incidents this year. You won't have to worry about that. You so, uh, want you know about that tripping incident? You know what? Here's how I give back to, to the community. Do, do you want to tell Frank what happened, Jimmy? Yeah, I might have just everyone
8: out there. No, but, to know. Uh, here's what
2: I'll do. Because I'm such a, a fan of the Liberty League, and, and Jimmy, you've done such a nice job, quarterback and, and Aaron wide receiver of RPI, I'll give you a chance to kind of to, to say something about, uh, you know, you're in the huddle host here. Share it with our, a, a little known fact for our listeners.
8: Yeah, I mean, last year at the RPI football banquet, um, we were lucky enough to have Eric as our honorary speaker, and – after he gives this wonderful speech, you know, to the team and parents and everyone that was there, he's stepping off the stage and just falls flat on his face off the stairs. And the whole place just goes silent. You can hear a pin drop. We don't know if he's hurt or all right. And once he's all right, everyone just starts dying laughing. He's he's red in the face. And, you know, I mean, I guess that's just that's the extent of his athletic ability, I guess, just falling off stairs. I don't know. No, see the, what, I was, what I was hoping
2: you would have said. The extent of my athletic ability was how I just sprung up and put my hand in the air, and I, you know, you guys kind of gave me some applause. Yeah, we oh, we no we took him, we a standing ovation when he got up with his hands in the air. We did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, oh my god! Yeah, so there you
2: go. Now, you, now everyone who's listening truly has one on me, but you know what? We're just regular guys. So hey. <laughs> I just, I just want to say, uh, you know, to, to, to Aaron, you know, get yourself healthy. You're quality, you know, quality individual. You know, this has been a great chapter of your life. I know you're going to be successful, whatever you do, so good luck with that. Jimmy, congratulations on the win yesterday. Great showing against a, a very tough team, especially under some adverse conditions where, you know, some folks might have felt a little bit let down. You, proved, you, know, you, you did your community, yourself, your family, your teammates, the entire campus proud uh congratulations on a great career and and you know there's not enough anyone who's a fan of the liberty league and rpi can say to just say hey everyone's wishing you a great send-off you and your seniors your fellow seniors you know you guys all did it together congratulations man everyone to a man whether you're an rpi fan or not we're going to miss watching you play it's, it's been a great experience and you know just keep being a mentor to your younger teammates
8: yeah, thanks. I mean, it was a great four years for the both of us. We're you know we're definitely gonna miss it. We already are missing it. And well,
2: I might have to make an in the huddle appearance at the, at the banquet this year. We'll try and keep on our feet. But uh, guys, we're gonna let you go. We're gonna move into our into our into our uh, postseason predictions for next week with James Baker. Guys, one oh hey, how can I how can I give up this tradition? Any anyone you guys want us to shout out to? Uh, by the way, Aaron Frank introduced. Uh, some Kanye West into weeks last weeks around the league just for you. Uh, okay, I
7: like it. I like the collection.
2: Okay, good. So anyone you want to shout out to one more time, Aaron?
7: Uh, just everybody back home in Brooklyn the 718 and the
8: RPI football family, wherever you guys are. All right, and what about you, Jimmy? Yeah, just, you know, just shout out my teammates. You know, that's my, my brothers for the past four years. They'll be my brothers for life. You know, and then just my family, just like everyone, like Aaron said. Uh, my parents, my grandma, brothers and sisters, my girlfriend, everyone—you know—they come to every game and support me. You know, it was a great four years, and, and I know RPI footballs—you know—just you know, keep getting better and better. Yo, one more yeah. time. And I got to shout out, Yo, because they they came to the game yesterday too. They were in the back of the end zone, my buddies from home. So give a shout out to Yo as well. All right, Frank, you can take us got, away.
1: Yeah, I just want to say one thing. You know what? It, 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 I didn't ever think it was possible. I, I'm like the Grinch uh, in The Grinch was Still Christmas that my uh, heart when it comes to RPI probably was two sizes too small, but you guys single-handedly it somehow made me into a quasi RPI fan in terms of when you guys aren't playing Union at least or involved in the uh, standings with Union right next to you, but I mean I wanted to see you guys succeed this season, and to me, you did succeed. You you did what you needed to do at the end of the season with the 86 field thing. So I really appreciate it. You believe that? You converted the union broadcaster. That's how talented you guys are. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, listen, we appreciate you joining us in the huddle. Uh, Jimmy Robertson, Aaron Savasi, thanks again for everything. And uh, we're going to take a break, I believe, and talk about next week, uh, the big game. And also, Eric, I think we're going to have to clue people in as to where they can find us on the radio dial next week because, or the Internet radio dial, as the case may be, because I believe uh, we know our destination next weekend. So uh, why don't we go to the commercial? We'll be right back because, folks, you are in the huddle.
6: The Internet puts the world at our fingertips, but it can be a very dangerous place, especially for children. I'm Dean Sparks, Director of Children's Services. The internet is just another door into your home. You wouldn't let a stranger walk through your front door, but ask yourself, who might my child be letting into the house through the computer? Here's what you can do. Teach your kids not to share personal information online. Educate yourself about internet parental controls and have your kids show you their favorite websites. Be aware that they could also be surfing the web at the library or a friend's house. Put your computer in a place where you can monitor your children while they use it. Ask yourself, does your child spend a lot of time online late at night, or change the screen quickly when you walk into the room? Are there calls from people you don't know, suspicious telephone charges, or unexplained gifts? Remember, if your child is online, you should be on guard. I'm Dean Sparks. For more on what parents should know, visit us on the web at lucaskids.net.
4: It's never too late to benefit from healthy living. Even if you've had a lifetime of unhealthy habits, taking action now can still have a positive effect on your overall health. I'm Dr. Carolyn Clancy, Director of the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The most important things you can do to stay healthy are get recommended screening tests, be tobacco-free, be physically active, eat a healthy diet, stay at a healthy weight, and drink alcohol in moderation. For more information about maintaining optimal health, visit www.ahrq.gov.
8: All season
6: long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division III football action on the road
2: to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division III better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for
1: Division III football at www.d3football.com.
3: In the
2: huddle, the only weekly talk show devoted to NCAA Division III Liberty League Conference college football, and now back to studio one in Saratoga Springs, New York.
3: Your hosts,
2: Eric Red and Frank Rossi. And send you
4: towards a touchdown. Irish, can't I, believe it. How did I know
2: that was coming? I might have to guess that music, man. I'll tell you, that guy might be out of a job. He's got the same record Bob Davies had at this point in his career. Uh.
1: Well, I, they reaffirmed everything for him, and then the, the, this happens. I, I don't think it's the same feeling, suddenly, just like one week later after that reaffirmation by the athletic director at Notre Dame. they got to be asking themselves, what in the heck was that? James, what's but, the score yeah. next week, USC,
2: Notre Dame? What do you call him? Uh forty five to seven. <laughs> you think they'll hang forty. I do too. It's just a sad day. You know?
1: Well listen, I, I wanted to intro this uh or intro us in here because uh basically first thing I want to say again, thank you, Jimmy Robertson, Aaron Silvasi, uh great interview as always. And uh, is uh, gonna miss Jim's gonna miss uh, Jimmy Robertson. Aren't you James?
5: <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God wow. that kid is graduating.
4: <laughs> I mean, his record his
5: record against Hobart wasn't you know great. He did he was only able to beat us once, but he sure came close a bunch of times. And I will be happy that uh, RPI doesn't have him on their roster anymore. The ultimate
2: measure of our respect, Jimmy is seriously our 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 Hobart analyst is happy to show him the door.
1: <laughs> well, In a good way, say, though. Uh, next week. Uh, You and I, Eric Wren, uh, are going to be heading down, I believe, to good old Cortland, New York, where it will not be Cortica 2, as we discussed in the beginning of the show. It's going to be a little bit of – it's going to be a spicy game between Cortland and Curry. And it's the second straight year I'm going to get to call a game in which Curry is in the second round. I called St. John Fisher Curry last year. St. John Fisher – well, you know what, Curry held around for about the first half in that game, and then St. John Fisher kind of – showed who they were at the end of the day but uh, Cortland versus Curry interesting matchup on the state didn't do too badly early on in that uh, game against Cortland yesterday so uh, I'm, I'm curious to see that game I'm also I wish in some ways it could be two places at one time because I really would like to go back to Alliance Ohio to see Mount Union Hobart it's just so tough with the travel uh, situation the way it is during the holidays I'd fly to Pittsburgh if I were to do and then drive the rest of the way. You can't get a flight right now. So this is our only real option. So uh, we'll uh, li- listen to us next week. Uh, first, Courtland Curry on Saturday well, noontime, Eastern time.
2: Well, cool. first of all, Frank, I'd like to just say I love it when you make announcements that I'm not aware of on the air so I hear it the first time everyone else does. <laughs> oh,
4: you, <knew laughs> you never
2: that. told me we were doing Cortland together, buddy. Come on. I
1: was well, mentally kind of thinking about it all week. Come on, Pat Coleman uh, was the one telling me how you told him you wanted to do it in the first place. So. Well, you know, you know what? I go to
2: Rochester for the holidays, so it works out for me. make It's it's a stop off on my way back to Studio One, so not 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 a bad layout. Although, you know, our 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 keen awareness and hearts are with our Liberty League companions out there in in alliance we're going to talk about that for a second but you know real quick just just to recap something because I want to spend just a couple minutes it's worth talking about then we'll finish up with with our in-depth discussion around Hobart's game next week against Mount Union just going back looking at this week's um, bracket out here and I didn't use the term east bracket because as we found out last week the NCAA does not designate these anymore as geographic brackets they take the top four and break them off and so this year it's the Mount Union bracket any surprises you know it's kind of a, an obvious question softball question but beyond the obvious one any surprises in this week's outcomes of, of the games you know I'm going to throw this to you first James obviously the big one out there Ithaca against Curry that upset where Curry goes out to, to Ithaca and beats them at Ithaca any surprises besides that in this week's field? Cortland take care of business. You know, were you surprised how much Hobart beat uh, Lycoming by? Were you, were you even surprised about Korea Ithaca. Were you surprised about? Just give, give me your thoughts on this week's East kind of rundown, James. You,
5: you know, I think in, in general, I was surprised at how well the NEFC uh, performed. Uh, you know. Curry obviously pulling off the upset against uh, an Ithaca team that that uh, Pat Coleman and a lot of other prog- you know prognosticators were thinking was you know the only you know team from the quote unquote East region that could potentially give Mountain Union a game and they and they lost in the first round. Um, I think Plymouth State uh, hung tough with with Cortland for a while and and so it really shows in general that you know our our region is uh, you know having a lot more. You know, programs getting onto the national picture. Um, there's a lot more parity, you know, across the different uh, leagues or conferences. So, I think we're going to have, you know, some some more competitive and interesting games. And um, yeah, I was a little surprised at how well Hobart handled uh, Lycoming. Like, I mean, coming. I mean, initially the the game kind of got to a slow start, and and that Doyle interception that led to the you know opening touchdown for for the Warriors had me a little nervous, but then, you know, 33 unanswered points later and it was, uh, you know, Hobar was kind of cruising. So I, I was surprised at how, how well they looked and, you know, it gives me a little bit of hope going into the uh, second round that we might be able to you know, score a couple points against the, uh, the vaunted Raider defense.
2: Frank, I'm going to pose that same question to you. I, I know you keenly follow the other games. What's your kind of just summation of, of, of your – you know, views on what happened this past Saturday around our region here.
1: Uh, So we're going to stay strictly with the Mount Union region. I would say Hobart putting up 33 was more of a surprise to me than Curry winning, to be honest with you. I didn't think Hobart had in them put up 33 points. And I actually asked Coach Craig last week that question about, does your offense concern you right now? Because they hadn't scored a touchdown in the first half in about four out of five games uh, last week, as of last week. And uh, he did say he was concerned, so I didn't think they would score 33 points. I thought Curry would be, out of the two NFC teams, the better because they've been there before. They beat a team last year. They went to a second-round game. And, you know, I didn't think necessarily they would win, as I said. But you know what? It was in the realm of possibilities. Once I said to myself, they're going to play a good game, that they could win that game. It It would take a bad day for Ithaca and a great day for Curry, and that's what you saw. But Hobart was a surprise for me. Not that they won, but that they scored the way they did.
2: So let's move in then to to this actual game coming up. You know, hey, no bones about it. This is going to be a very probably, you know, toughest game Hobart's probably played in several years. Facing the number one nationally ranked Mount Union Purple Raiders at their place, at their dojo, steamrolling opponents, you know, all the time. James, try to call back upon your experience as a player. I don't think obviously neither of us played in a game of this magnitude or with these implications, but I guess try to kind of position, you know the coaching staff over there, you know the style, you know how the players in Geneva kind of tend to, to think and set the tone. Talk about a little bit about how Coach Craig and, and the players go about preparing for this week.
5: You know, I think they're going to, uh, you know, Look at this game like they've you know, approached all the games they've had all season. You know, going into uh, 2008, Hobart wasn't the uh, consensus choice to win the league. Everyone thought that RPI was a lock to win the championship with Jimmy Robertson and, and that team. You know, Hobart's been doubted uh, all season long. When they lost the game at Union, and there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, great! Now they're going to go six and four, or uh, six and you know, five and five and four, and not maybe not make the playoffs." And They've been in a lot of close games. They haven't scored as many points as they did back when they had a um, you know, at quarterback, and they don't have a marquee running back like a Doug Lukowski or a Keith Brandon anymore. But they they keep finding ways to play games, and I think they can go into this one with sort of that chip on their shoulder, like, hey, like no one's giving us a chance. No one's given us a chance all season. You know, it took us uh, a long time to even get you know into the the top 25. You know, it's they have nothing to lose. So, um, you know, last week when Coach Cred said that you know Mountain Union is going to you know, have to play, you know, have to play against uh, you know Hobart, he was, you know, he was optimistic that they could get by Lycoming, and and hey, why not take a take a shot? So, I'm sure that DeWall and uh, the offense will will come up with some trick plays. So, you know, why not just throw the kitchen sink at them? You know, come up with some creative uh, formations. And uh, you know, you've got no, you really have nothing to lose, so it's a uh, it's a great opportunity for the program. You know, everyone didn't see Hobart doing that well this year, and they tied for um, most wins in a season. You know, for the for this year, they, they accomplished things that you know, supposedly better Hobart teams weren't able to accomplish. A nine wins, undisputed Liberty Championship, first round playoff win over a you know conference champion. So they're, uh, they're doing pretty well. Uh, you're right.
2: So I got a hand to them, man. You know, RPI walked in this season with Jimmy Robertson at the helm and receivers like that, and some Hobart found a way to, you know, win the title.
1: <laughs> okay. So uh, now, guys, uh, one of my favorite features uh, is humorous in a lot of ways. is the Lou Holtz pep talk uh, that you'll see on the ESPN College Football studio shows often. So I'm going to give each of you, and, James, I'm holding you to one minute. <laughs> okay. So <I'm> one am <laughs> to give me your best, you're in the locker room. We're uh, 10 minutes before kickoff right now, and you're in Alliance, Ohio, prepping uh, with Hobart as coach right now. What is your pep talk before you go out into that field? Let's start with James. I want Eric to do the same thing, actually, so we'll give him a second. Being co-host of mine, he gets a little extra time, James. So you have one minute starting right now.
5: Okay, guys, look, no one in the entire country is giving us a chance to do anything in this game. Everyone says that Mountain Union is going to beat us by 50 points. Well, you know what? We've got two of the best linebackers in the country. We've got some of the best defensive backs in the country. Our offense can move the ball. Their defensive line is is little. You guys weigh 270 pounds. You're you're bigger, stronger than these guys. We're going to take it to them. We're going to drive the ball down their throat. We've got a couple of tricks up our sleeves that they've never seen before. We can play with these guys. Just have faith in in yourself and your teammates. Do your job. And if something doesn't go our way, forget about it. Just move on to the next play. It's all about taking one play at a time. You know, David beats Goliath, and we are going to do it today, too.
1: Hey, you had ten
8: seconds left if you wanted it.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the the, the empty ten seconds would have been for the the expletives that I would have used. But this is a family show, so I kept it clean.
2: I'd probably call well, the like King's playing coach and ask him what he... I'd probably call Mike Toop. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> no, you, you know,
5: my, my talk is, look, guys,
2: you know, you're staring at a team out there in the other locker room that is so used to this, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't taste the same. It doesn't smell the same. It doesn't feel the same. You, you have a chance to do something that has never been done in the history of this school. You know, it hasn't been done by many teams in upstate New York, you have a chance to play for your destiny, something to remember that for the rest of your life that no one will ever take away. That you don't take for granted. It probably means ten times more to you than it does to those guys in that other locker room. You know, there's passion, emotion to this game. It's a game to be played for fun, for excitement, and to do special things. You know, there's only eleven guys that they have in the field. At the same time, we have eleven guys. You know, you've worked hard your whole lives for this moment. It's your chance to take that moment to own it. To be the players that you all know you can be, you know, they're men just like us. You know, they they put those game pants on one leg at a time. You know, they're not professionals. We can beat them. Doesn't matter where we play. You know, happy to be here. It's a great day for football. You know, it's a great day to be alive. Where else would you rather be? Do something to own your destiny today.
1: That's I, I'm me. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. I, I like that. Okay. Uh, do I get? Give... <laughs>
2: should, I, should I do one, too? Well, uh, if you feel so so uh, inspired, why not?
1: Uh, why not? Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do it more from a first-person point of view, though. Okay, ready? You know, guys, I've seen both a win and a loss by Mount Union, and I say that because, you know what, that means they can lose. I watched St. John Fisher last year, and they got torn apart by Mount Union. They thought they were in it early, and it didn't last for long, and the Worst thing that could have happened in that game was that St. John Fisher's player decided to score a late touchdown and play the drums with the band, uh, and royal a lot of nerves in Alliance, Ohio. Then I got to be on the sideline with the University of Wisconsin Whitewater and watch the anatomy of the taking apart of that team. It can be done. And you're gonna do it today. And whether or not you get the chance to fully do it and fully take them apart, guess what? The only way you are a loser today, or any other day in life, even after football, is if you walk away from this game without your dignity intact. Suit up. Play your hearts out today. You're going to have your dignity at the end of the day, as long as you play your hearts out. Wow. Not bad. Now, would
2: you be wearing your garnet shirt that you always wear when you give that speech?
5: I'm not touching it. All right. I was waiting for the Rocky music.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Did you
5: like it earlier? That was nice.
2: So, guys, in, in the last few minutes we have left here, let's just turn our attention to uh, the task at hand. Three minutes to go. <clears throat> hey, you know what? I, I think in all seriousness, we all made, in each of our our uh, Rudy locker room speeches, we all made some very valid points, which is no way, shape, or form. Is, is Hobart going to walk out there and say, you know, on paper, we've got a better – You know, team top to bottom. So that's how we're going to win. This is going to be a situation where execution, do your job. You know, because at the end of the day, these guys from Mountain Union, it's not one guy of the NFL. It's not like you're playing against the defensive line from Tennessee Titans. I mean, these these are relatively the same caliber guys. Maybe maybe a little bit better. Who knows? But the point is, execution and fundamentals. You know, rounded out by a tremendous sense of passion. An excitement and an emotion. I've seen more teams go into the big dance, their nerves get the better of them, they feel overwhelmed. You do not want to get off that bus and lose that game to Mount Union at warm ups. That, that cannot happen, and I don't think Coach Craig's gonna let that happen with this team. But you know, you got to tackle at the line of scrimmage, you got to keep Kimmich contained. When one guy gets on him, you got to swarm around him and keep him from breaking those tackles. Force them to throw the football and don't make stupid turnovers, James. 30 seconds keys to, to victory here for Hobart.
5: Uh, the keys to victory are going to be, you know, they're going to have to get off to a fast start and try and get some points up on the board early. They're going to need to, uh, you know, tackle, uh, commit, and you know, avoid turnovers. They just, uh, you know, this, this Mountain Union team is, is too good to uh, keep giving them the ball back. So uh, ball control offense, no turnovers, good tackling, and, and try to get on the board early on to build some momentum.
2: Frank, keys to victory. Hobart, 25 seconds. We've got about a minute left to go.
1: Yep. The, uh, here's what you've got to do to beat them. And uh, James uh, kind of pointed to it. Ball control, you need 15, 17-play drives. You cannot get into a shootout. Mount Union. You just don't have the weapons to do it. You have a couple trick plays ready in case you need them, but short passes, screen passes, and mixed with a running game will actually – win you offensively that game. If defensively, I get concerned, but if they can handle them defensively, I think Hobart could keep it close in that game. You hit the
2: nail on the head, Frank. Ball control. Your best defense if you're Hobart is keeping their offense off the field. So, you know, grind it out. Get some running game going. Their linemen are going to have to work cut out for them, but just you know, cover the guys up. Stay on the blocks. Hey, Hobart's got good tailbacks. They need a seam, average four yards of carry, you're going to be good. Short passes, screens, just mix it up. That's what you've got to do. So, Frank, I think you said we're going to be going out to cover the Curry-Cortland State round two game. So, folks, you can, you know, talk, you can catch us there while you're switching back and forth to the Hobart game. Frank, I think you have a quick comment on next week.
1: Yeah, basically, if Hobart should fail to win, uh, we, we hope not, but next week will be our last show, and next week will be kind of a uh, best-of show. We'll get some clips from uh, during the season, uh, some uh, finer laughing points and some serious moments that we had on the show all year, and uh, maybe even some clips from the cortland Curry game if we have some classic one-liners from that game. So? Okay. so I'm I know, I three. I
2: didn't see it, Guess what, folks, hey? Greg Rossy Eric Brad, James Baker, Pizza Cast, Jimmy Robson, Ray Davis, Oak, oh, and Baker, and the hall will catch you next week.
4: plus.